0: But yes, the book of Psalms 37, chapter 37, 616, if you have an old Scofield Bible. I want to read to you one of the most familiar verses in all of the Bible. If you've been uh, in church any amount of time, you've heard this. You might can even quote this. I think I could put my hand over it and quote it. And uh, what a great verse it is. But I want to go back and just preach from this one verse tonight, maybe some others around it as well. And I'm preaching tonight on this thought. I have no regrets. I have no regrets. Look at Psalms thirty-seven, verse number twenty-five. Read along with me. Let's read this out loud if you will. Ready? I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I think David is looking back over his life, and what he's saying is this, I have no regrets. And I want to preach a little bit about that tonight for just a moment, and if you'll leave your Bibles open, we'll look at some other verses around this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the good day. Thank you for letting us be in church tonight, and testimonies, and the folks who were saved on church buses, today and uh, for a church that loves the bus kids thank you for folks who are willing to drive buses and, and work bus routes and take care of children and watch nurseries and cook food and preach to children thank you Lord for our church I pray your blessings upon us and then bless your word tonight and help us now as we look at this verse together may the spirit of God speak to us and cause us to rejoice tonight I pray in Jesus name Amen. If you're a regular around here on Wednesday evenings, then you uh, will automatically know that in in our services on Wednesday nights, uh, we have been making our way through the book of Psalms. I've probably been so long about forgot. I want to say we're probably in 52 or 53. And so for well over a year now, maybe a year and a half, we have been making our way through the book of Psalms. And, uh, And tonight, instead of dealing with maybe a whole chapter as we normally do in our Wednesday night services, I want to look at just a single verse tonight. And that's the verse that I have read for you here in our text. Now, once again, In the uh, superscription of this psalm, we know that this to be a psalm of David. David penned these words, "'I have been young, and now am old. "'Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed, begging begging bread. David I think is telling us this, there was a time in my life when I was a young man but now as I look back over my life, I am now an old man. Now the first time we meet David in the Bible, David is a young man. Uh, We know very little about his background as such up until the time he's probably maybe 15 or 16 years old and we first meet him there in the home of Jesse in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and really we don't meet him as much as we meet the family. Samuel has been sent down to the household of of Jesse to anoint uh, one of his sons to be the king of the nation of Israel. Because of Saul's rebellion and uh, rejection, God has set him aside. And God's going to get him a new king. And by the way, I think the reason Saul became king was because Saul was the people's choice. And God, David, was God's choice. And so he sent uh, Samuel down to anoint one of the sons of Jesse to be the next king over the nation of Israel. Of course, we know how he went through all the those sons and there were no more and God said no to every one of those boys and then Jesse looked at uh, day Samuel looked at Jesse and said hey is there any more and he said well there's another one he's out watching sheep in the fields he's watching my sheep and before the story is over just a young man what was just an ordinary day in his life but by the time the sun sets he has been anointed as a young man to be the next king over the nation of Israel he's just a young man just a youth." Don't tell me God can't use young people because he can. Our Bible said to let no man despise thy youth. God can and will use young people. If God can't use us older folks, God will use young people. Can I have an amen? And the Bible said that the young people are to be an example of the believers. And uh, so here's David, just a young man. Just a young man when he goes in 1 Samuel 17. He's just just a youth when he goes down to fight with Goliath in the valley of Eli. Oh, what a tremendous victory God gave David. Just a young man. We read this in 1 Samuel 17, 42. The Bible said when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. He just totally disregarded him. The Bible said, for he was but A youth, just a young man. And yet God used him that day to do what none of the older crowd was willing to do. And that was to go down there and trust God and fight with the giant and trust the Lord to give Israel the victory. Once again in 1 Samuel 15, verse number 17, verse 58, we read these words. And Saul said to him, whose son art art thou, thou, young man? And David answered, I'm the son of thy servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. You know what he said? I'm just a young man. And yet God used this young man in a mighty way. But now as we come to our text tonight, David said, there was a time when I was young. But now, he said, am I old? Now, we know from the record of the scripture that David died somewhere around the age of 70 years old. Now, to me... That don't seem like that's that old. Uh, it seems like 70 uh, is pretty young. And the closer I get to it, the younger that it seems. But you've got to understand back in those days, life expectancy wasn't maybe as long as it is in our day. So uh, around somewhere around 70 years old, David says now, I am old. It's amazing to me how that life has a, has a way of just slipping on by. I mean, you stop and think about it. Most of us in here, we can say with David, a lot of us in here, I have been young and now am old. Somebody wants to find life like this. Life is the tender 20s, the tireless 30s, the fiery 40s, the forceful 50s, the soaring 60s, the sagging 70s, the aching 80s, the nagging 90s. And then there's nothing left but dead, death, sod, and God. And that is life. You know, somebody else once said this, the 40s are the old age of youth and the 50s are the youth of old age. And it almost seems like it just happens Overnight. There you are, bouncing along in life, 20 years old, 25, 30s come. First thing you know, you turn around and you're 40 years old. And then the first thing you know and you turn around, you're 55, 60, 65 years old. I mean, it, almost like it happens overnight. I was talking to Brother Vic not uh, too awful long ago. We were talking about how time is moving on. And Brother Vic said, and I can't remember the, the exact age that he said, but he said, at this particular age, you stop counting years and you start counting decades and that's the way life is. It just has a, has a tendency to slip right on by us. That's the reason James 4.14 we read these words. That life is like a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. Job 14.1 says that man that is born of woman is a few days and full of troubles. And that's the way life is. David said, there was a time, it don't seem like it was just yesterday that I was a young man. And now as I settle down and look at life, now am I old. Maybe you can say that tonight. I've been young, and now am I old? My wife tells me all the time. She says you 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 constantly make you yourself sound like you're an old man. Well, I'm an old man. I really am. I have grown up and grown old right before your very eyes. I didn't even enjoy, I didn't even enjoy my 59th year because all year long I was turning 60 that whole year. So I just skipped right over 59. I just, look at this, I just wasted that year because I was, I kept saying over and over again, I'm turning 60 years old. I have been young and now am I old. But can I say this? Now that I'm old, at least 60 years old, I don't know if I'll live to see 70 or 80 or 85. I'd like to think I would. I'd like to think I've got about 30 more Christmases. I love Christmas, I really do. I love the lights of Christmas. And the song. I come back from revival meeting every night last week, come up the road, had my Pandora pulled up on my phone, and I was listening to Christmas music coming up the road all the way. I'm already plugging in to Christmas. I'd like to think I've got 30 more Christmases in front of me. I'd like to think that, but what the reality is, I got a whole lot more behind me than to do in front of me. I don't know how old I'm going to get to be, but I can say this. I have no regrets. Now, I want you to hear me. I have some regrets. When it comes to the Lord, and I want you to understand, it, when it comes to my deciding to follow the Lord, I have no regrets. But there's a lot of things in life I do regret. Uh, there's a lot of choices that I've made in life that if I, if I could go back, I, I'd like to undo some things. Uh, there's some things maybe that I've said before that I'd like to go back. If I could, I'd like to take them back, but I can't do that. There's some times that uh, maybe that, uh, uh, that I showed up when I shouldn't have showed up. And, and maybe there's some times that I didn't show up when I should have showed up. And uh, there's those times of regret and there's some situations that if I could go back, and deal with them differently, I would do that tonight. Maybe there's some things I could have done to salvage some situations that I didn't do, but guess what? I've been young and now I'm old. I can't do anything about that anymore, but I have no regrets. Let me say this I regret I haven't done more for the Savior. I regret I haven't studied his word more. I regret that I haven't trusted him more. I regret that I haven't prayed more. I regret that I haven't done more for him. I regret that I haven't been as faithful as I should have. I have a lot of regrets, but when it comes to following him, I got to say, ladies and gentlemen, I have no regrets. And I want you to look at this text tonight. I have four things I'd like to say that I don't regret. All right? Look right here in this text tonight. And let me say this. Number one, I have no regret because of the path that i've taken i have no regret now i didn't get saved till i was 16 years old i may have told you about all that i wish i would have gotten saved when i was younger and uh, the Lord was dealing with me. I clearly, vividly remember the Lord dealing with me when I was 11 and 12 years old. But uh, I refused that. I put salvation off. I fought against uh, uh, the, the, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. I, God was dealing with me. I sat on the back row of the church. And I think I may have told you this before, but I would hang on for dear life. I mean, man, God was tearing my heart out. My, I, would, I would leave, my knuckles would be white where i gripped the back row of the pew. I, I didn't want to get saved. I wanted to uh, live my own life, do my own thing and didn't even realize I was fighting a battle that I could not afford to win because I was fighting a battle in thinking I'm fighting for my life, but in reality, while I was fighting for my life, I was losing my soul. And ladies and gentlemen, how many people walked into this room this morning and they walked out the same way that they walked in and they thought to themselves, I'm fighting for my life. But they were losing their soul. That was me. I was under conviction. But then came the day, and I remember it, March the 24th, 1979. I didn't get saved in church like many of you did. In fact, I didn't even really have anybody who took the Bible and led me to the Lord that night. The truth, uh, truth be told, I knew how to be saved. I'd been in church all my life, and it wasn't a doubt whether I knew how to be saved or not. I knew how to get saved. And it was right around Easter time of 1979, March the 24th we'd been to church that Sunday morning once again I'd got under conviction there's an old preacher preaching in our church at that time that couldn't even read the Bible he couldn't read the Bible I mean what he would do mom and daddy uh, would take us to church there, and what he would do is his wife would sit down and read him stories from the Bible and uh, then he would get up on Sunday morning and preach from those stories that he couldn't even read and I'll tell you what though when he started preaching something got a hold of my heart Man, I felt like I was having a a heart attack. I was under conviction. And I'm glad at the age of 16, I laid down my weapons of warfare. I laid down my arms of resistance and I waved the white flag of surrender and I got saved by the grace of God. 16 years old. I tell you, I don't regret giving my heart to Jesus. I do not regret. You know, there's a real difference between being saved and being lost. You know there's a difference, don't you? I'm sure you do. I know many times down here on earth, you know, that, uh, that uh, gets a little bit confusing between the saved and the lost. And the reason being is too many of God's sheep act like goats. And I have an amen. I mean, they say they're sheep, but they go out here in the world and they're, and they're butting everything and they act like goats, and that's a problem in our day. And sometimes down here, that that great difference between being saved and being lost is a little bit blurred down here, but I assure you there's a difference between being saved and being lost. I think about the differences. You you wanna see the differences, all you gotta do is read back in the book of Exodus when Israel was in the land of Egypt, they were in bondage, and God began to bring those plagues upon uh, the empire of Egypt. And buddy, I'll tell you something, things would happen over in Egypt, that wouldn't happen in Goshen where the Israelites was you know why there's a difference in being a child of God that's right when there was darkness in Egypt there was light in Goshen hey friend when there was lice in Egypt there wasn't no lies in Goshen I'm telling you there's a difference in being a child of God and I have no regrets that at the age of 16 well I should have gotten saved earlier but at the age of 16 I gave Jesus my life I gave him my heart, and I have no regrets about the path that I have taken. And by the way, there still ought to be a difference. Now, when you move through this psalm, you can't help but notice there's a difference between being saved and being lost. There's a difference between the righteous and the wicked. Look in this psalm for just a moment and look at verse number one. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Why? For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. In other words, what he's saying is the wicked may look like they're prospering right now, But he said, there's going to come a day they're going to be cut down like the grass. There's going to come a day all their prosperity, all their good times are going to come to a close. But as a child of God, I got something to look forward to when life is over. Look down in verse number 16. Here's what the Bible said. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. You know, sometimes the devil convinces us that we're we're on the losing side. Uh, the devil is great at, 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 at deceiving us into thinking that because we're trying to serve God and we're trying to live for the Lord and trying to uh, make a difference for the Lord, that, uh, that we're not having as much fun as the wicked crowd is. Oh, but friend, can I tell you something? Our fun hadn't even begun yet. Can I have an amen? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm having fun being saved down here. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have problems, don't mean I don't have burdens, don't mean my heart don't hurt sometimes, don't mean that I always know what I ought to do. Uh, There's some times I'm just as confused as a termite in a yo-yo, but I can't say this. Sure i am glad I'm saved tonight. I'm glad I know the Lord. I'm telling you, I'm not sitting inside a church looking out out the glass uh, stained windows of a church building at a lost world that I think is having more fun than I am because I'm here to tell you, friend, uh, my good times now are better than my, my bad times now are better than my good times used to be before I got saved. It's good to be saved. I didn't come tonight to give you any sad reports. I'm so glad that I'm saved. I'm glad my name is written down in God's book. I'm glad I've got eternal security. I'm glad I'm going to heaven. And let, let Hamas drop a bomb in my bedroom tonight. They're just going to blow me to heaven. I'm out of here. When Jesus comes, we're leaving, friend. I'm telling you, it's good to be saved. I have no regrets about the path that I've taken. Can I have an amen? Look at verse 17. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. Boy, aren't you glad underneath you tonight there is somebody that's holding you up? I got to tell you, I can't make it in this world on my own. I can't. I don't have enough strength to get through this world. on my. I don't have enough strength to face the things that I've got to face in life. I don't have, but I'm glad God's hand, God's arm is upholding me as I journey through life. You look on down at some of these other, look at verse 18. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be how long? forever. Look at verse 19. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of the famine. They shall be satisfied. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to announce to you tonight that if you're a a tithing child of God, God's going to meet your need in the time of a famine. Friend, God's going to take care of us. Can I have an amen? God will take care of his own. God's going to bless us. I have no regrets about the path that I've taken. I'm glad tonight that I'm saved. What about you? Number two, look again at this text. I have no regrets about the path that I've taken. Number two, I have no regrets about the presence that I've trusted. Look at verse 25. I have been young and now am old. By the way, jump back to verse number 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. I'm glad when God saved me that glad didn't, God didn't necessarily reveal to me everything he was gonna do for me in this walk of life. I'm glad, when I got saved, If God the night that I got saved as a 16 year old teenager, if God would have told me one day, you're gonna pastor Woodland Baptist Church, I'd just had a heart attack and went on to heaven right then and there. I tell you friend, but God began to direct my steps. God began to direct the path of my life. God began to maneuver things in my life because God had a plan for me. God had a will for me. God's plan for me was to one day preach His Word and God sent me to Bible college down in the little Baptist church in the middle part of the state. And then God, God began to move in my life and God brought me to the place that I am today. And I know one thing, I I don't know what my future holds but I do know this, He ain't going to walk off and leave me right now. He's going to see me through till this thing is over because the Bible says the inheritance of the righteous is forever. God is going to uphold us and direct us no matter what path, where the path of life may take us. But I'm also glad that, that I have no regrets uh, because of the presence that I've trusted. Look at verse 25. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Now, let me tell you something. You look at David's life and there's been plenty of times that David was forsaken by people in this walk of life. I mean, his own family. His own family got mad at him the day that he killed Goliath. Remember his brothers and they talked down to him and uh, for the naughtiness of thine heart uh, art thou come to see. And I mean man they were talking bad about it. His own family forsook him and then of course uh, how many of us know how Saul, his anger and jealousy burned toward David and tried to kill David over and over and over again. David's own wife forsook him. His first wife her name was Michael and the Bible said that she forsook him. She took up with another man and then of course we know that his dearest friend the one thing and I love Jonathan but the one thing that always bothers me about Jonathan is Jonathan wouldn't leave his daddy to follow David That bothers me because Jonathan and David were close, uh, so close together, but I don't understand because Jonathan knew how wrong his daddy was and what he was trying to do. Why didn't Jonathan just say, Dad, look, I'm following David. I'm sorry. I can't go along with you in your evil way. Even Jonathan seemingly chose to go along with his daddy. And then what about Absalom? Absalom turned against him and humiliated him and even tried to kill him. i tell you, David had seen his share of forsaking going on in his life his family his friends even some of his followers and David said as an old man looking back over all that this one left and that one left but I just want to tell you as a matter of testimony David said I have never been forsaken by God nor will you ever be forsaken by God God will always be there for his people you have been forsaken before you ever had somebody turn their back on you? I remember. You, you don't, and if you're in ministry, I mean, uh, let's just face it. I've done my share of hurting and I've had my share of hurts, just to be honest with you. And I remember, I, I don't know why, but this one, and I tell my wife some, sometimes about this, there is one that I can't get over. I don't know what it is about that one. But I still, to this very day, I'm not over it. And I'm not bitter about it. When I see this dear person, I always hug his neck, and shake his hand. I'll see him at funerals occasionally or whatever. And I'll always hug his neck. And I say, man, I love you. And, and, uh, and uh, how's your family? I mean, I'm, I'm not bitter about it. But I got to tell you something. When that man, when that man forsook me, ugh, that one hurt. You ever been that, done that way before? I mean, that dear man, I can remember vividly laying his hand on my shoulder saying, look. I'm with you, preacher. That's the way I want to raise my kids. That's how I want to, I want to uh, live my life. Preacher, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't here. He took off some liberal church. Come on. And I still love him. And God will have to straighten all that out the judgment seat. But I'm so glad God's never left me. God's never walked off and left me. God's always been there for me. God never will leave me. Look at Psalms 27, verse number 10. The Bible said this, when my father and my mother forsake me. I mean, if it comes down to the point that your old mom and daddy say, won't nothing else to do with you. Aren't you glad the Lord will take you up? Look at this verse, Psalms 94, 14. David said this, for the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. I'll tell you what, if I was the nation of Israel tonight, I would rejoice over the fact that I was the nation of Israel. You know why? God said, I'm not going to forsake my inheritance. Hey, friend, I'm here to tell you, I do not regret, I do not regret the presence that I've trusted, the path that I've taken. And there are going to be hurts. There's going to be hurts in your life. There are going to be those friends who will forsake you. There are going to be those who will tell you they'll always be there. And then they won't be there. I get all that. But can I just stop and say this? If you don't learn to walk alone, if you never learn to walk alone, you won't walk for long. There's going to come a time, friend, but just understand this the one who loves us said, I'll never leave you. The presence I've trusted. Watch this. I do not regret the path I've taken, the presence I've trusted. I do not regret, number three, the provision that I've tasted. Notice he said there in verse number 25, I have been young and now I'm old. But he said, you know, thinking back over my life, there's one thing that I've never seen and that is the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? God takes care of his people. God is going to see to it that his people have a piece of bread. I believe that. If you're, now watch this. If you are a tithing member of the family of God, I can't say what God might do with somebody that don't tithe. Now, I'm not saying God's going to forsake them, cast them all, and let them go hungry. But I will say this. God obligates himself to those of us who pay our tithes. He really does. And the psalmist simply said this. I've never seen that crowd forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Now, I'll tell you this. The devil's got bread for his young'uns, too. He really does. Look what the Bible said about this in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 17. For they that eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of... I-. So he has bread, but it's wicked. And then he goes on to say in Proverbs 20, 17, and I like this one. Look at this. Bread of, de- of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth shall be filled with what? I need some gravel in my driveway tonight. But can I tell you something, friend? Would you hear me and hear me well? Whatever the devil gives you is going to leave you with nothing but gravel in your mouth. Amen. That's right. Look at this verse, Proverbs 10, 22. The Bible said this, The blessings of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. I said all that to say this. God's been good to me. God has fed me along the journey of life. God physically has given me bread. And listen to this. God spiritually has given me mercy. Look, if you will, down to verse number 26. Here's what he said. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Aren't you glad God is merciful tonight? I don't know about you, but, and I think I do, because we've all, we've all sinned, haven't we, and come short of the glory of God. There's been things in my life, buddy, God ought to have cut me off. God should have just let me go. But aren't you glad for mercy? God has given us mercy. Thank God for that. But I want to close with this one. Look at this. The path I've taken, the presence I've trusted, the provision that I've tasted. But here's something I've never regretted, and that is the posterity that I've trained. Can I say it like this? David talks about, verse 25, the seed. Do you see that there? And he's not talking about the kind you sow. He's talking about the kind you grow. Look at verse, uh, he talks about the seed there. Uh, I've never seen the righteous, nor his seed, his children, begging bread. Can I tell you something? I make no I, I have no regrets for the way I've tried to raise my children. Now I gotta tell you something. I'm not been perfect. If they could stand up here tonight, they probably could tell you sometimes that maybe I blew up when I didn't have a right to blow up blow up. And then maybe they may tell you sometime, man daddy should have blown up over that and he didn't blow up over that. I gotta tell you that I haven't I have not been a perfect parent. I freely confess that. But I tell you what, because I made the choice in my life to follow Jesus, that was a generational decision. Because when I made that choice to follow God, that choice then was, was passed on down to my children. Because I've decided that I wanted to serve God, it's had a direct impact on my family. I want to say some things, listen to me quickly, I'm going to wrap this up. I have no regrets for trying to bring my children up to serve the Lord. I have no regrets for trying to do that. i got to tell you this. I, I feel like many times I've been a failure. But the one thing that I've tried to put in my children is Daddy loves Jesus. Daddy loves church. Daddy loves the Bible. I want you to love Jesus. I want you to love the church. I, want you. I have no regrets for trying to bring my children up to serve the Lord. I have no regrets for trying to teach my children to want God's bread. I have no regrets for exposing my children to the preaching Of the word of God. No regrets. I have no regrets for bringing them up in the old time way. I have no regrets for training them to uh, to respect authority. I have no regrets for trying to keep them away from the things of the world. Look at me. I'm going to repeat that one. I have no regrets for trying to keep my kids from the things of the world. Listen. I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have but it was against my knowing it. I'm sure they could tell you what what the inside of the theater looks like, but they knew their daddy was against them going there. I tried to bring them up, keep them away from the things of the world. Uh, they, They know what rock music sounds like, but bless your heart, I didn't allow it in my house. They didn't hear it in my house. They know what hell looks like on TV, but they didn't see it on our TV at home. We had one of those TV guards when my kids were growing up. And, uh, and for, I don't know how that thing works, but we plugged it in. And uh, we, it would, it would, it would, if somebody was going to say a cuss word on TV, it would stop it. And then it would translate it down below. So if it was going to be a cuss word, it would say, down below, it would say, monkey crud. <laughs> yeah. And if it was talking about sex, right down below it, it would say, hugs. I don't have any regret for trying to keep my kids away from the world. Now you can talk to them tonight. and They've told me this before. You sheltered us, Daddy. Yeah, and I don't, I don't look at it as sheltering. I look at it as protecting them. I tried to guide them. I tried to direct them. And I tried to keep the world as much as I could out of our home. And I tried to keep them away from the world. And then uh, when they got of age, they had to start making decisions. Now they're bringing their kids up and they've got to make decisions. But I just want to tell you one thing. Hear me, hear me well. I have no regrets for trying to keep them away from the world. I have no, And I'm not going to be made to feel ashamed because of that because I wouldn't let my kids dress just any old way or go just any old where or run with just any old body. I would not do that. And I got no regrets for that whatsoever tonight. I've been young and now I'm old. I have no regrets for disciplining them when they did wrong. I have no regrets for that. I have no regrets for making sure they followed my rules when they lived under my roof. I have no regrets. You know why? I hope my children are saved, they tell me they are. I hope they are. But I tell you what, friend, I got no regrets for how I brought them up. I wished I'd have been there more, put more hands on them, did more things in front. I wished I'd done all that, but I got no regrets that I tried to keep them away from the world. No regrets whatsoever. You say, well, preacher, I want my kids to taste a little bit of it so they'll know what it's like. Look at me, you just rode into town and fell off a turnip wagon is what you just did. I'm gonna tell you something, they're gonna get enough of it around anyway. I sure unto God ain't gonna let them experience it in my own home. Can I have an amen? The path that I've taken, no regrets. The presence I've tried, no regrets. The, uh, uh, the provision that I've, t- I have no regrets. The posterity that I've tried to train, I have no regrets. So if I gotta to die tonight, you gotta to walk by my body in three days at Hayworth Miller Funeral Home in Rural Hall, North Carolina, and they're going to drag my old carcass up yonder somewhere in Surrey County and throw it in the ground. And y'all are going to walk by crying bucketfuls of tears. Say, oh, what are we going to do with our brother Tim? How are we going to? Only one amen out of this whole crowd. What is wrong with y'all? I'm kidding. But you just know this. I crawled into that coffin. And I got no regrets. Amen. amen. No, re- And I want to live. I hope I can finish up. I just think I moved into the fourth quarter. I may be at the two-minute warning don't even know it. But I don't want to leave this world with any regrets. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I have been young and now I'm old.